everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rocky Talkie, a Rocky Horror Podcast where we talk about literally anything and everything Rocky Horror. My name's John. I'm Nikki. And I'm Aaron. Nikki, Aaron, how was your past week? What'd y'all do? It's been a week. It's definitely been a week. Uh, we got a snowstorm this week, which was a fun surprise. I don't read in on the weather a lot, so when it started just like coming down in sheets, I was like, oh, this is a new obstacle. A- Aaron, I, I love how Nikki is talking to us about the snowstorm as if she's the only one who has received it. Oh, a snowstorm. Tell me. No, I'm saying that I was unexpected to about it. Like, I was not prepared for this, okay? I drove to Josh's house, and then it started blizzarding, and I couldn't go home. Do you know how bad that is? No. No. Well, it was bad, okay? But I'm looking for your support here this week, guys, okay? Because I received my first mean comment. Mean comment? A mean comment? Yeah, okay? On the YouTube channel, somebody named Trixie Bumblebutter said some very hateful things about me. What did they say? Who am I fighting? They said, does the pigtail girl, and then in parentheses, your co-host, not me, which was really good because I do get the two confused, um, find the world to be a complete and utter annoyance or does she just always give off that vibe? And you know what? I do. I do find the world to be a complete and utter annoyance because of people who are mean to me, like John and Aaron and Trixie Bumblebutter. Okay. Do you feel better now? Can we continue with the show? Yeah, I got it out. All right, cool. Well, so John, the cool thing that happened to John this week was that (laughs) I got new headphones that I have needed for a very, very long time. What'd you get? Are they like uh, some in-ear thing or big giant cans? What do you got? Uh, They're big giant cans. They're Logitech G733s. Oh, those are numbers. Yeah, those are numbers. I got some colors on the side of it. I'm like a real streamer now. Woohoo! Yeah, Aaron, what about you? What'd you do this week? This week, I did stonks, guys. <laughs> this week was all about the stonks. Right now, I am up $120 on games. Uh, actually, I am down $22 on GameStop. Oh, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I am breaking even on GameStop right now. So we're going to... Shit, no, fuck. I lost it all. Okay, um, guys, why don't we why don't we move on? I'm, this is not a good time for me. I got to right. go move I'm some so money sorry. around. Right, and with that, let's get started with our first segment, Global News. So the first thing up here on Global News is that Susan Sarandon appeared on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon last Wednesday to talk about her new HBO mystery series called Search Party. The whole interview is super sweet. They talk about Susan's role in the series and how her character's story arch is like a little bit of a plot twist, but they spent most of the time talking about her family. So like, apparently, her grandkids have been losing their teeth lately. Susan told a story about how their dad, who is a pro soccer player, has perfected the art of tying loose teeth to a soccer ball and kicking it to pull it out of his kid's face. Oh my god. Did either of you do any creative teeth removal when you were kids? We're really grasping at straws for global news, as you can tell, folks. No, they just fell out of my face. Yeah, same. I did not use a soccer ball. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have to do anything like that. They just kind of fell out. I kind of feel like that's a little overdramatic to be yeeting a soccer ball into the sun to get out a tooth that's just going to fall out in an hour anyway. I'm trying to think if I have any like weird teeth stories. Better that we don't, actually. Okay. Susan also talked with Jimmy about the resurgence of interest in Thelma and Louise because everyone's stuck at home, so they're just getting nostalgic with their favorite old movies. She told another story that I absolutely loved about a time that she'd held an indoor camping trip party for her daughter, which, like, first of all, sign me up. That sounds like the best and only appropriate kind of camping. Gina Davis came over dressed in a bear costume to scare the kids because (laughs) is it even a camping trip if you don't get scared by a bear? Apparently, Gina could only keep it up for a minute or two because she broke bear character by getting the giggles. I mean, I don't think it's a camping trip if you don't get scared by a bear that is supposed to be Gina Davis in disguise. Oh, yeah, no. Every camping trip of mine, that's a staple. Yeah, like Gina Davis shows up in a bear costume. I'm glad that you and I are kind of coming from the same area. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Susan made a point to add that she supplied Gina's bear costume because they just had one sitting around the house. As you do. Like, super unnecessarily proud about that fact. So, Susan Sarandon Furry, confirmed? <laughs> confirmed. All right. Susan, you're one of us. I'm not a furry, but you're one of us. Yiff me, baby. Last but not least, she did address the weird tabloid story from, like, a few weeks ago about her and Jessica Lange. The two of you remember the one where she and Jessica were, like, walking around the city shopping and they stopped to help a couple of people. She thought it was, like, just as weird as we did. Like, clearly the paparazzi was just trailing them in the hopes that they did something shocking. And all they got to talk about were the two women helping people and wearing striped socks. Better luck next time, I guess. Scandalous. Right? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> I think it's kind of awesome that because all the late night interview shows are still continuing to go on and host guests, because nobody really has any new exciting stuff to talk about, we're getting to hear all these intimate stories about celebrities' families. There's something like a little cozy about hearing that Gina Davis came over to be a bear for Susan Sarandon's daughter. I'm just like really enjoying this shift. Well, if you'd like to watch Susan's full interview, we're linking to it in our show notes. But on the topic of Gina Davis in a bear costume, you don't often think of, much less hear about Rocky in an educational academic context. You know, like, no one learns about Rocky Horror in schools or, like, writes peer-reviewed journals about Rocky Horror regularly, at least. Speak for yourself. Except Aaron. But the collection of essays, the science fiction film as a cult text, it's from the Liverpool University Press, originally published in hardcover late 2015, will be coming out in paperback on Monday, March 1st. Yay! Woo! Paperback, bitches! Yeah, I love <laughs> books. I can read. <laughs> Keep up the good work, John. Nobody suspects that you can't read. The collection is edited by J.P. Tillote and Gerard Duchovny, both professors in higher education, covering literature, media, communication, and cinema, respectively. The texts discuss science fiction media and its relationship to cult media, specifically why cult and science fiction seem so connected and how science fiction has sort of moved from something inherently on the fringes of the arts into the limelight of pop culture, after movies like Star Wars and Alien made an interest in things like lasers and Sigourney Weaver mainstream. Aaron, I'm sorry, but... You've always been a nerd. How does Rocky fit into science fiction and cult classic canons? Well, it doesn't. So, so next. All right. Segment. Well, that's our show, everyone. All Have right, a good guys. night. Good night. <laughs> no. So Rocky's always been a very fringe element of science fiction because you know it's it's weird. It's gay alien space scientists and sexy interspecies romance and murder and singing and meat casseroles. The meat casserole is kind of where I think it stops. Stops being sci-fi and becomes more uh, stupid. Veggie tales. I don't. Veggie tales. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that made Rocky an even brighter beacon for both science fiction lovers and those that worship at the cult of Rocky. It's always been a home for those that may be finding their sexuality, as well as a place for anyone who feels misplaced in the world. Because of all of that, Rocky is so out there, especially for the time it was produced, that even though it's literally about alien space scientists sent to Earth in a spaceship made to look like a castle, it's not generally considered science fiction. You can recall the debate about that very subject that we covered in episode 6 from the old pre-news group mailing list. Generally, when folks categorize Rocky, it's considered theater because of its origins and only science fiction in subject. Rocky's also been around for coming up on 50 years. The cultural impact has had plenty of time to age and gestate, such that we're now at a point where there are so many in the Rocky community who've had this movie be an element of their lives since childhood, or even multi-generational Rocky families, which I'm pretty sure is one of the surefire signs you're part of a cult. Anyway, uh, so much of Rocky, particularly the nationwide shadow cast, is such a staple of what defines cult film and superfan culture in general. I'm really curious about what some of these essays are going to say. Absolutely. Aaron, you hit the nail on the head. If you've seen the book or you've read it, be sure to send us your thoughts or your insight on what the book has to say. We'd love to hear our community's opinions on this one because I can read. I just want you to read it to me. <laughs> oh my god. You know? Well, anyway, 
Speaking of community, how about we pivot on over to community news? No. You're okay, get it? Because ah, <laughs> I see what you did there. Anyway, so we've got some really exciting news this week. Our friend and longtime community member, Brandon Citrina, announced that he and his now wife, M eloped back in September. Yeah! woo According to Brandon, he and M connected on OkCupid, where he reached out to her when he saw that Rocky Horror was one of her stated interests. Their very first time meeting up was when M came to see Brandon perform as Frankenfurter. Em and Brandon are now both members of Colorado's Elusive Ingredient cast, which is like the storybook Rocky love story. Aww. Brings a tear to the eye. Multiple tears, in fact. <laughs> in true community fashion, the happy couple eloped to Las Vegas and had a beautiful Rocky Horror-themed wedding. Brandon told us that M was originally looking for a classic Elvis ceremony, but found a venue called Viva Las Vegas that had tons of themes from Beetlejuice to the Grinch to, you guessed it, Rocky Horror. They can't recommend the venue enough, and they thought that the performers did an awesome job. So in true fashion at a Rocky Horror wedding, Brandon and M dressed as Brad and Janet, respectively, mm -hmm. and they did want to give a big shout out to Edge Creations for making M's Janet wedding outfit, as well as their matching Brad and Janet masks on super short notice. Honestly, I don't expect anything else from Edge Creations. For real. Honestly. So the wedding, which had a candlelight ceremony set to over at the Frankenstein place, was officiated by a performer dressed as Frank and was witnessed by Magenta and Riff and another Janet. Like, don't worry, she was driving scene Janet, so it wasn't awkward, as well as M's immediate family. Brandon and M's two very adorable chihuahuas, Greasy and Limbo, came on the Vegas wedding trip, and although they didn't attend the actual ceremony, they're featured in a lot of the pictures and are super cute. I... <laughs> so, so the script tells me, folks, that I want my dog at the wedding one day, but I don't think Cobweb would be very good at a wedding. I think she would ruin it. Flower girl Cobweb. Did you just read that off the script, John? Yeah. Okay, so Brandon made the Facebook official announcement and shared all of their gorgeous wedding photos on January 24th. Definitely go check them out if you're like me and can't get enough of adorable Rocky wedding pictures. They looked so happy and in their element, it seemed like the perfect venue choice for them. And we know that Em and Brandon are listeners to our show, so we just wanted to take a moment to congratulate you both. We can't wait to celebrate with you both in person one day soon. Hell yeah. Four. Four years later. <laughs> oh, God. So keeping it in Vegas, our friends over at Frankie's Favorite Obsession, that's the Las Vegas cast, are going to be hosting a very special Valentine's Day throwback rewind virtual performance that's this Saturday. I feel like that meme of the girl trying to do trigonometry in her head. <laughs> what does throwback rewind mean? does not compute well ffo tapes their live performances and so far their virtual shows have all been rebroadcasts of past performances for theme nights i've noticed they've been taking a few different shows and splicing them together which is super cool because you get to see a humongous array of different theme costumes all in one show which i really enjoy i'm kind of a sucker for theme shows and especially valentine's day on my cast, we do a theme called Galentine's Day every Valentine's Day, and it's like an all-female cast. And I look forward to it every year, and I wish I was there right now. I love this freaking holiday. <sighs> I think Valentine's Day as a theme night is always a really weird one. So for NYC, we do uh, lingerie weekend for Valentine's, and you've got to find lingerie themed to your character, who is probably already wearing just underwear. It's really fun to see what people come up with, though. It's either like super hot or it's super silly there is no in between and ffo performances are always a lot of fun it's neat to be able to see how the cast and the performance itself evolves even over a matter of just a few years and i'm definitely looking forward to watching hi definitely looking forward to watching i'm john hi john i'm dad good if you want to join the watch party with John, Dad, and myself, the performance will take place on February 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's 7 p.m. Pacific. And you can tune in at rhpslive.com. We'll see you there. So have you guys noticed that Uncle Barry has been really upgrading his social media game lately? 
Yeah, on the 20th of January last month, he, well, I am assuming his PR intern or team, opened up an Instagram to promote his new website, that's BarryBostwick.com, as well as some of his new projects. So, they already posted about his role on the new Doogie Hauser reboot, Doogie Kamaloha MD, which is coming to Disney+. Plus. They've also been posting lots of behind-the-scenes Rocky pictures. Why are they remaking Doogie Hauser? Why does Barry own pictures from behind the scenes of Rocky that nobody's ever seen before? That's Why the... are we pretending like I know what Doogie Howser is? Oh, bless your heart. Jesus Christ. Anyway, there was a really adorable photo that went up the other day with him and Susan Sarandon during the filming of Damn It, Janet. Susan is wearing this ginormous fur coat. Bougie Janet is really funny and pretty hot, if I do say so myself. Anyway, Barry's most recent post, which was made today, Tuesday, February 2nd, reads, If you want more of the Barry Bostwick experience, how could you not? Well, I've joined the devil and started a webpage, BarryBostwick.com. I will try and keep the emojis to a bare minimum, and if I have anything to say, I'll say it in words, not pictures. Actually, my website is pretty cool, and we found things I didn't even know I've done. And of course, you can always buy my underwear in the online store, amongst other useless but profitable items for my kids' college educational costs. Thanks for reading this. God damn it, Barry. That's awesome. Yeah, his site literally just launched. We were so pumped to be able to dig through it before we recorded today. It's got all the standard features you'd expect from a celebrity's site, a way to be contacted by fans and media, a place to send in stuff to be autographed, a page where all his upcoming events and appearances will be listed, a list of his past projects, a well-written and pretty in-depth bio, where his role as Brad Majors is described as Susan Sarandon's simp of a boyfriend, which, hilariously valid. Last, but certainly not least. I kind of feel like this counts as most. All right, last and most. We've got Uncle Barry's store, which has all kinds of very cool, very Rocky-themed merchandise for sale, the vast majority of which is signed by Barry himself. And this is the reason we decided to include this segment in community news rather than global news. Because, like, the site itself is kind of generic, but the store is super over-the-top Rocky Horror. He very clearly had us in mind when curing what he would be selling. You don't see no Spin City stuff in the store, okay? It's all <laughs> Rocky. There ain't no Teen Beach Movie merch in here, all right? Like, first and foremost, there's Barry's handmade and autographed clocks, which look super cool. They're all made out of, like, different colors of vinyl records, Rocky Horror records, of course, and they're all one of a kind. Most of them are, like, melty and drippy looking, but there's also options that aren't warped if you're looking for, like, a cleaner looking clock. He's also got a ton of other autographed stuff. If you ever wanted to own your own pair of tidy whities signed by Uncle Barry, this is your chance. Same goes for Rocky Horror photos, posters, art prints, pins, Brad Major's Funko Pops, the list goes on and on. Plus, a lot of the stuff has the option to include a personalized message during checkout. Looks like Barry will write pretty much whatever you want on your new clock or Funko and sign his name into it. That seems dangerous. It does seem dangerous, but I don't think Barry cares. Anyway, this website is totally a collector's wet dream. Aaron, I can hear your dick getting hard across this microphone as we speak. Uh, yes, John. Uh, but I will point out, you can purchase Spin City photos uh, that are signed by Barry if you really want. No Teen Beach movie, though, so he really seems to have missed the mark there. Uh. Honestly, I just wish Barry would sign Y-Front jockeys instead of whatever the fuck it is that he signs. At least sign the correct damn underwear, Barry. Jeez, you just look ignorant. I'm still gonna buy them, though. Can I get, <laughs> can I get two? The absolute coolest thing on the website, in my opinion anyway is the option to have Barry record a video message for you. There's even an option to commission Barry to record a promo for your upcoming Rocky Horror Show as a way to thank the community for keeping the show going all these years. And each commission is only $25, which is, like, really good for recording a promo. We're really excited about it, and we think it's a pretty sweet gesture on his part. And who knows, maybe we'll commission him to record some voiceover for our podcast. That'd be cool, right? Honestly, that would be really cool. I, I like the production meeting that is happening in the middle of our recording. Yeah. I like this. But like we said, the website went live just before we started recording this episode, so we are really excited to keep digging through the site over the next few days. And probably doing some shopping, right, Aaron? 
Uh, I already have five clocks in my uh, shopping cart right now. I just have to narrow them down to... Uh, no, I think I'm going to check out with all five, actually. Good for you, buddy. If you want to check out Barry's new website, go to barrybostwick.com. And with that, let's move on to everybody's favorite segment. Nikki asks a question. Don't DMCA us. We've got two write-ins this week for Nikki Asks a Question. And the first one comes to us from everyone's favorite Frenchman and a dear friend of the show, Hadrian. Bonjour! What's up, dude? I miss you, buddy. Or, as he goes by, Hadrian the Baguette. AMS Toronto Cast NYC RHPS on Time Slips Paris. Hadrian writes I was wondering in how many places, countries, or even town outside the US, especially, there is active Shadow Cast. And after the US and the UK, what are the oldest places to have a cast? Thank you, you dirty bagels. And for those of you who can't understand French, what I just said was, Hadrian writes, I was wondering, in how many places, countries, or even town, outside of the US especially, there is an active shadow cast? And after the US and the UK, what are the oldest places to have a cast? Thank you, you dirty bagels. <laughs> God damn oh my it, God, buddy. wait, that's... That's such an important question. How many countries or even town, Aaron? Oh, um, lots of countries or even town. Honestly, many town. Oh my god. Many town. <laughs> I would wager to guess more town than countries. Ooh. Even more? Even more, yeah. Oh my god. Many town. Well, we love you, Hadrian, and this is a super fun question. Like, this is one of those that's more about the Rocky community than about the film or the show, and, like, we love these. In years past, it would have been a lot easier to give some of the definitive numbers that you're asking about, but it's a little difficult this year. Why? Because, you know, pandemic. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Right. A lot of casts right now, not just in the U.S., are stuck in limbo with their venues temporarily or permanently closed. We should caveat, for most of what we talk about in this answer, you can take now to be more like how it was before COVID. So, international, Rocky. How do we want to kick this one off? Like, chronologically, alphabetically, countries ordered by sides of baguette and town? <laughs> and even town? <laughs> and even town, maybe? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a proper Nikki asks the question if we don't go in order. So Rocky comes out in 75. Its first premiere is in the UK and then the US. It fails miserably and then later gets picked up for the midnight movie circuit, eventually landing at the Waverly Theater in New York. That's where audience participation eventually takes hold simultaneously with several other places around the US. What's going on internationally during all of that? Well, okay, it obviously takes a bit longer to catch on outside of the United States. The most interesting response comes from South Africa, like of all places in the world. There's actually a copy of a publicity communication from May of 76 that is reproduced in the Bill Henkin book. It announced that the movie had rapidly become the most successful American motion picture in South Africa since the advent of television. In just a few months across only a handful of theaters, the picture grossed over $150,000. And other sources would say that around a quarter of a million people saw the movie and could see that it was gathering a large cult following. And that was before the country banned the movie entirely. In a 1981 interview with Starburst magazine, Richard O'Brien summed it all up, saying, In South Africa, the album went double gold, and then they banned the film. Which really wasn't all that surprising. South Africa had one of the most exhaustive film censorship systems of any country in the Western world. Under apartheid, many films were cut, banned, and sidelined for any number of arbitrary reasons, ranging from explicit sex to simply not aligning with Christian values. Huh? 
Up through the early 90s, the government would review up to 1,300 films a year, often frame by frame, and make cuts or simply ban a film entirely. The government certainly didn't like this new film motivating people to dress up and get rowdy at the cinema, so Rocky had to go. Apartheid legislation was repealed in 1991, and over the next few years, censorship of film was like drastically relaxed and removed. Though there have been like occasional occurrences, even as recently as 2018, where the government effectively censored the heavily celebrated film The Wound. They didn't make cuts or like ban the film, but instead they applied the country's adult only rating, which is X18, which is like usually reserved for stuff like hardcore porn, of which the film unfortunately contains none. This relegated the film to like very limited runs, as it was forced to exclusively show in only adult theaters. O'Brien's interview with Starburst in 1981 also recounted one of his favorite stories about Rocky Horror. According to the tale, while attending an illicit Rocky-themed costume party in an undisclosed South African town, O'Brien had happened to pick up a ringing telephone at the venue, only to find the call was from a member of the local police. Oh, shit. So the police on the phone promptly notified Richard that they were on their way, and O'Brien decided to make his excuses and leave, not wanting to be the one to ruin the party atmosphere. Really? Not even a heads up that the cops were coming? What a jerk. Oh, but that's not the end of it. The article continues. As he was walking down the street, a car pulled up to him, and two men in corsets and fishnets asked him if he knew where the Rocky Horror Party was taking place. O'Brien said he did, but advised them not to go as it was about to be raided by the police, whereupon one of the men said, What do you mean? We are the police. We wanted to let everyone know we were coming. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid story. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Take that one with a grain of salt, right? But sure, it's pretty funny. Also, who randomly picks up a phone at some party that they're at? Yeah, like, it's not even your phone. I, that's just weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could pick it up and be like, John's phone, his pants aren't available right now. Can I help you? But, like... <laughs> I don't even like to talk to people at the party. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, let alone picking up a random phone call from a random stranger. Rocky Horror Party residents. Hi, it's the police. Gotta go. Hi, the police. I'm John, also a cab. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile you have the rise of the film in the uk through the late 70s and into the early 80s but there wasn't much very early on like rocky the movie really took a while to pick up traction even in the country that it originated in you gotta remember that when the movie released in 75 the stage show was still playing and was really successful the film release was like so uneventful that it quietly made its way to a video release and was eventually even shown on tv It went, like, practically straight to video. But as interest in the movie increased, particularly when the audience participation from the U.S. film trickled over, that's when Shadowcasts began to form. There were many concurrently running Shadowcasts all the way up through the late 90s, though I'm not aware of, like, any that are currently running. Most notable of these casts would be the Charming Underclothes, whose members spawned the UK Time Warp fan club and went on to produce several conventions throughout the early 90s. I think the slower appeal of shadow casting in the UK comes from a variety of reasons, but the most notable and ever-present is that the stage show has always been running and is accessible to anyone who's looking to get their Rocky Horror fix year-round. Every year, there's almost always a UK tour, a European tour, and always several pop-up performances of the stage show. The show has always had varying levels of audience participation. It probably peaked in the late 80s when the stage show became more of an insane party, and you literally had actors on stage trying to wrestle with the audience to get attention on them in order to continue the show. But... Overall, the stage show has been very much embraced by the audience participation aspects that evolved from the film, and a lot of fans will get their kicks with their once or twice a year theater attendance instead of a film screening like you might have in the U.S. Now, if you want further evidence of this kind of engagement, just take a look at the kinds of events that the U.K. community throws. Yeah, the Time Warp Fan Club, which was spawned very early on, and throughout the 90s, they hosted several fan conventions, events, cross-promotional tie-ins for Rocky-themed products, 
all sorts of stuff. They are very much about the fans and interacting with other fans, and they share a ton of overlap with the stage show fan base. Back in 2006, the UK Timework Fan Club celebrated 18 years as the official International Rocky Horror Fan Club. They wanted to do something really big, really special, so to mark the occasion, they had a picnic at Oakley Court. That's the castle where the Rocky Horror Picture Show was filmed. And the first picnic in 2006 was attended by just under 50 fans. And they could stay there because the castle is now a hotel. You know the castle has been a hotel since 1979. Anyway, so from that first picnic, every year following exploded in popularity with like more and more people attending. In 2019, there were over 190 attendees with fans booking most of the hotel's rooms. And the screening was packed. Probably way too packed. A bunch of us were there for 2019. We hung out for the picnic after our wedding. And I also had the luck to go to the picnic in 2015. So just four years apart. I could certainly tell that even going from 2015 to 2019, the event had grown significantly. You literally cannot walk around the hotel that entire weekend without seeing a dozen Franks, Magentas, Columbias, and all manner of other crazy costumes just running around, having a great time, taking pictures, and talking to each other. It, it, it's awesome. So when they put tickets on sale for the picnic that was supposed to happen last year for 2020, they sold out two days after booking opened. Obviously, it had to be canceled, but they're tentatively scheduling it for 2021. And like Aaron said, it's a big deal for fans to be able to run around in costume at the castle. Hotel. Uh, technically, it's an estate. Shut up. Okay. My bad. Yeah. Thank you. Now I can continue with the script. Right. Yeah. So the picnic is the one time a year that you can visit Oakley Court and walk around in your Rocky costumes all day without a problem. Oakley Court is a hotel. Estate. Castle. <laughs> and as such, it hosts a lot of regular hotel things, like business meetings, weddings, conferences. They don't always appreciate fans running around in costume, humping the banister in the main lobby as they try to check in their guests. Okay, but Hadrian specifically wanted us to talk about places other than the UK. What else we got? Some sweet transvestites from Spain or Australia? Maybe a German Fraulein Weiss running around? Well, yeah. <laughs> All those places have had shadow casts at one point or the other. Rocky has been hugely popular in Italy and Spain. There's two different books written about Rocky and just the shadow casting community that come from that part of the world. One's in Italian and another one's in Spanish. Oh, that's awesome. Those must have been some really great resources. Uh, yeah, they would be uh, if I could read Italian or Spanish. Ah. Then why do you even have them? Why do you keep your roommate around? You can't understand him half the time either. It's just cool to have that weird foreign oddity hanging around. Uh, first off, Adam is bi, not foreign. You're thinking of Hadrian. He's foreign. And he loves a big, thick, delicious, crunchy baguette. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. Why, you can't get both hands wrapped around the baguette? <laughs> Fuck you both. What else we got? Where's the most unexpected place that Shadowcasts Rocky? How about Japan? That's pretty crazy. I mean, you want weird shit? Of course it's going to be Japan. They got, like, tentacles and shit, you know? <laughs> so this story is actually really nuts. Uh, Sal Piro, the head of the U.S. fan club, tells it in his book, Creatures of the Night. <gasps> Bingo! Aaron references Creature of the Night. That was the last face I needed. I win. Damn it. Okay, you win. You win shutting up. <sighs> okay, so in Creatures of the Night, Sal writes that after Rocky released in the late 70s in Japan, it had a moderate reception, but it never evolved the concept of audience participation or any kind of cult following. So, as you might expect, it slowly waned from the public consciousness. However, in 1988, Sal was contacted by a company that wanted to bring Rocky Horror back to Japan. Tokyo, a bunch of other cities, they wanted him to come and teach Rocky to the fans. So, get this, he flew to Japan with three cast members from the 8th Street Playhouse, only one of the four of them speaking any Japanese, where he met with a group of fans that the company had commissioned to take part in the Shadow Cast. He said the fans initially had a lot of difficulty in translation, and he wasn't sure how he was going to teach them to replicate a spontaneous kind of performance. 
But after only limited rehearsals, they took to it like they'd been doing it for years. Sal and his crew from the 8th Street Playhouse and the new Japanese shadow cast traveled to other cities, putting on the floor show over the next week or so. Sal said they all felt like movie stars, the way we were treated. After they left, the Japanese cast continued on to a ton of success. They appeared in magazines, newspapers, and on television in the late 80s and all the way through into the 90s. That is so nuts. I cannot imagine, like, traveling around the world to Shadowcast Rocky. That's just so crazy to me. And it must have been so insanely fun for everyone involved. I gotta learn some Japanese audience participation lines ASAP. Then you'll love this. Have you heard of the International All-Star Show in Berlin? Oh, I have heard of that, actually. Uh, Aaron went there like a billion years ago. That's the event that's hosted in Germany and coordinated and put on by Max Mayhem. Yeah, it wasn't a billion years ago, but okay, slow your roll. Um, I went with my best friend Jen in 2015. That was part of the big Rocky trip where we did the international show, the picnic at Oakley Court, and then dipped down to Paris for a few days. Dude, Aaron, even your vacations are all about Rocky tourism. Like, what did I expect? I mean, when it's this cool, yeah, hell yeah, it's all about Rocky. So the International All-Star Show happens every year at a massive outdoor amphitheater at the Apologies for the pronunciation. Freiluftkino Reberga, which translates to the Reberga Open Air Theater. Performers come from all over the world, especially Europe, from casts in places like France, Spain, Italy, the UK, the US, Germany, literally all over, to put on one massive big show. And I gotta say, it is an absolutely crazy performance. This is a massive outdoor amphitheater. It seats close to 2,000 people, and it's jam-packed to standing room only. The energy and intensity is comparable to any con performance that I've ever been at, and it's just such a delight to sit next to a guy who doesn't even speak the same language as you, but sure as shit, he knows to scream asshole in perfect English as soon as Brad appears. And Max Mayhem, who coordinates this show, he plans a great weekend for guests that travel coming from all over to see it or to participate. There's sightseeing, crazy parties, a bunch of performance events, and all sorts of great nightlife and whatever else. Plus, you're in Berlin, so talk about a great excuse to go do all the touristy stuff with a bunch of like-minded international Rocky folks. I think my favorite non-Rocky part of that trip was getting to go to the world-famous Kit Kat Club. That's the kink and fetish, like, goth industrial nightclub that's really famous for... It's multiple floors of music spaces and a giant pool that's in the middle of the club and also all of the dungeons that are beneath the club where people can indulge in some more, let's call them carnal pleasures. Whew, is it getting hot in here? That sounds like a blast. A sweaty, sexy blast. I take it back. (laughs) (laughs) And after you finish the All-Star Show, because you're, you know, in Europe and everything is just a quick train trip away, take a trip over to the castle in the UK for the picnic and then head down south to France to visit the Time Slips Shadowcast in Paris. Now their show is to die for. I thought you were going to be like, and after you finish with all that kinky shit at the Kit Kat Club, enjoy a cold beer at the bar. No, no. You know, funny story, though. Uh, The first time that I wandered up to the bar at the Kit Kat Club, it was like my first or second night in Berlin, and I didn't know the names of any of the good German beers or anything. So the bartender asked me what I want, and I said whatever first popped into my head. So I ordered a Corona, nice and basic, light, knock one back, then I'll order something else. I'll figure it out later. Bartender looks at me, shrugs, charged me 12 euros, and it wasn't until a minute later that I realized, oh... Of course it's so fucking expensive. It's imported to Europe from fucking Mexico. (laughs) Wow, you are like the worst. Confirmed, Aaron is indeed the worst. So like Paris, France, you know, like, like, what's Rocky like there? As if Hadrian doesn't come into my Twitch chat and talk about it all fucking night long anyway. I mean, I gotta tell you, though, the French cast is one of the best examples of just how different Rocky is internationally. So at the Time Slip show, the vast majority of the pre-show is done in French, though even if you've never seen a Rocky pre-show before, you don't need a translator to know when they're telling you not to throw things at the performers or when they're calling out virgins. So the vast majority of the movie's callbacks are still in English, but often there are French callbacks thrown in that I'm told are just fucking hilarious. I mean, I have no idea they're in French. In that 
truly European way, the theater is very small and intimate, and the cast even more so. They crawl all over the audience, getting right up in your face and engaging. It's so reminiscent of Rocky from an earlier age. I absolutely loved it. At one point, they grabbed me, pulled me up to lay down on the stage, and the entire cast proceeded to repeatedly teabag me over and over and over. It was so absurd. I'm going to put a picture in the chat so you guys can and all laugh you about this. liked it. I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. It was delightful. Look at your face. <laughs> like, you're, you're so happy to be there. Where's this picture? How come? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was a good time. Oh, Aaron. And these will definitely be posted to Instagram. Don't worry about it. We'll let you join in on all of this. I think that's Hadrian that's, you know, got his crotch on my face right there. Yeah, the Frank? Mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Looks like him. So, okay, not only that, but holy shit, the French cast throws rice and water fucking everywhere. Like constantly you are gonna get absolutely soaked if you go see their show <laughs> yeah you are god damn it john <laughs> in a 2015 interview for rockyhorrorfrance.com rocky legend ruth finkwinter talks about all the different things she's observed seeing shadow casts all around the world and she even calls out the amount of water that gets thrown around at the theater as being uniquely french this is a translated paraphrased excerpt from the article I've also seen the film in London and at several UK conventions. In Milan, they have an intermission during which they sell ice cream. No usherette, though. In Barcelona, they only perform the songs. You're crazy with the water and the rice. I've never seen anything like it, particularly the amount of water. During the rain scene, the cast hid in the hallway next to the auditorium. I think you still do that, don't you? And if that quote sounds a little familiar to our buddy Hadrian, well, I'd hope so. In the picture accompanying this article, the French cast is sitting next to Ruth at the board game cafe across the street from the theater after the show. And right there in the middle is a relatively clean-faced baby Hadrian. Oh, wow. Aww. You little baby. A Hadrian before he's leveled up. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to smush his face into the ground. Oh my god. <gasps> Well, there you go, buddy. A whirlwind tour of international Rocky horror that ends up right back where you started in Paris with your good friends and mine, the time slips. A big shout out to David and Brigitte and the whole Paris cast. They put on an amazing show. I can't wait till everyone gets back to a semblance of normal because I'm going to travel and see as many damn Rocky shows as I possibly can. Well, I can't wait for our next write-in. It's from our bestie, Jill. I'm so excited about it, and I'm going to read it because she's my fave. Her message says, first of all, Nikki, I love you too. Oh my God, stop. Anyway, John and Aaron are cool too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not just saying hi. I do actually have a question. You all recently did a personal Nikki Asks a Question segment, but I don't recall you guys going into the sort of origin story of the podcast and how you ended up with the little team you have. Also, how did you all meet? I know through Rocky, but is the story interesting at all? Was there anyone else who could have been a part of the podcast? When did you have the idea to start it? Things like that. Thanks for making such a great podcast and answering my questions. P.S. I was there when the Duke of New England showed up in John's stream. It felt like meeting a cryptid. <laughs> Honestly, he's shown up multiple times, and every single time I see his name, it still feels like a cryptid. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, Jill, we changed our recording schedule up a little bit this week, and we're recording this on Tuesday, about two hours before we start streaming with John and probably getting to meet the Duke of New England. I gotta say, I'm like kind of on the edge of my seat about meeting him. Just like I kind of want to find out what it's like to knock out Mothman or Bigfoot, I also kind of want to see what it's like to come for this guy. But, like, maybe we'll meet in vibe. I don't know. I'm not going to, like, manifest any negativity. But we'll see, you know? But I'm definitely glad I'm not the only one who makes that connection in their brain. Anyway, you two can fight later, Nikki. But <laughs> this is such a sweet question, Jill. Thank you so much for writing in. You've asked a couple of questions here. So I think we'll go one by one. Hell yeah. Yeah, so first off, how did we all meet? Well, I met Aaron when I joined New York City in fuck what was it 
like 20, 2017, 2018. I don't even remember how long ago it was at this point. I'm like past that point in my mm. tenure where I don't remember the year. And I'm just like, I've been on for a while. But I initially met Aaron when I joined NYC. It was right around the time where Aaron was kind of like taking a backseat. Yep. You know, a lot of times when you talk about people who have been on Rocky for eons and eons they kind of go in and out of their involvement and aaron has kind of been in myc he's kind of been out but i met him right as he's kind of slowly started coming back in so for my first like year and a half to two years of being on myc aaron was just like the guy who ran lights every once in a while it wasn't until recently before covid where aaron started like playing more characters on stage and when i got put into leadership i ended up learning a lot about aaron because you know him and Meg are together and I shared leadership with Meg and we kind of became close that way and I used to go to the bar with them every single night after the show and watch Aaron get absolutely sloshed and <laughs> have a re- have a lot of really good entertaining conversations <laughs> hey John you want to see a trick oh see it's funny that you bring it up because every time I said it you got mad at me that's true what is this trick? Aaron would get really drunk at the bar and do magic tricks with cards. <laughs> but in my defense, because everybody else was equally drunk, the tricks were awesome. <laughs> I was completely sober and still didn't see the slate of hands, so I guess you're doing something right. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Good lord. I, I don't remember the first time that I met you, John. I mean, I don't know. Meeting people at Rocky is such a blur, right? You meet so many over yeah. the years that it just kind of like... You, you kind of just put them in the back back of your mind until they've been around for six months, and then you kind of go, oh, okay, time for me to learn your name. Right, right. I mean, I had started on New York uh, after I had moved from the Midwest like 15 years ago, and I'd been in and out, like you said. Like, I was on cast, performing heavily, involved in leadership, all of that, and then, like, I stepped back for a few years. I was still, like, coming to the shows and doing uh, website stuff and all kinds of other things. I was on the back burner at that point. And then, yeah, I came back. Meg had contacted me about doing a new lighting setup for the show. So I come in to uh, uh, do some lights because I was, you know, sick of not being at Rocky. And also to, like, help figure out what the what New York's new lighting setup would look like and was hanging around at that point. And, yeah, I think that's that's when you came in. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure I was on cast for, like, three or four months before the new lighting rig came in, the one that we currently use now. So that actually, that lines up, that tracks. Yeah, that tracks, that tracks. Let's see, so it was probably another year and a half or so after that, or almost two years before Meg and I bought our house out here in New Jersey and we moved out here, and that's when we met Nikki. So, Nikki, hey. let's uh, let's get you in on this. Hi! You remember the first time we met? So yeah, I do, ironically. I mean, I remember when we became friends. You guys used to like pop in and out of my show a lot. And like my leadership would always talk about you guys because you were on NYC and it was like kind of cool that like you would come to our shows on like Fridays and then do yours on Saturdays. And I always like knew of you guys, but I'd never like talked to you guys outside of just like casual conversation in passing. And Mm -hmm. every time that Meg would come into the theater, she would like see me and she would wave and be like, hey. And I was always like, I don't. I don't think I know you, but hi, it's so nice to see you again. (laughs) And then at the end of a Red Bank show, I had to have been like, had just gotten off stage. You guys were waiting outside of my theater. And I just like ran past you. I was like, hey, guys, like I heard you guys got married. Congratulations. And Meg was like, yeah, uh, did you get the invite to my wedding? And I was like, huh? And she was like, there's like a Facebook group. I I added you to it. I want you and my boyfriend, Josh, I want you guys to come to the wedding. And we were like, oh, sure. So then we ended up going to your wedding. And from there, it was just like, it was over. Like, I fell in love with Meg and we became girlfriends. And now I'm friends with you guys. And that's it. Yep, that tracks. That tracks. (laughs) That tracks. That that tracks. tracks. That tracks indeed. That tracks. Yeah, we uh we moved out here and it it quickly became apparent that coming into the city for two shows a week was going to be a lot, but you know, because we're obsessed, uh you guys do a show on Friday, so it was like, okay, we can yeah. coordinate our schedules and come out on Fridays. I'd known a couple of people from FNS before. Mm-hmm. Uh people like Molly or Ryan, right? Uh who'd been around the community forever. I'd seen them at cons, I've talked to them in the past, all that kind of stuff, but uh, hadn't actually made it over to see any shows. The only times I'd been over to see shows in Jersey before were 
a decade ago when I saw Home of Happiness or something, yeah. right? So it was really fun. And, like, it gave me that, like, that throwback to, like, Rocky and other places. Because New York's a really weird place to do Rocky, right? Rocky in New York is very different than Rocky in other places. So it was really, gave me that hometown fun vibe. It was a lot closer to, like, what I had, you know, started doing Rocky doing. So I was really excited to come in and get to know everybody there. And I guess we just got to know you a little more than everyone else. Because I'm just that fucking cute, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. I honestly feel like I'm very, it feels like, I feel like it was very much coincidence that I got close with you two. Like there was like a lot of things that had to go right for me to meet you guys. And I'm so thankful that I did because like, not only do I have like my best friends for life now, but like so many of my friendships now started with you guys. Like even John, like I reached out to Meg for my birthday and I wanted to guest perform with NYC Mm -hmm. and if it wasn't for like that guest performance I would not be friends with John I wouldn't be friends with like Lucas Nicole like hella people I'm gonna forget everyone I can't think of a single goddamn person on your cast right now but like there's so many people that I just met through like you guys that like Mm. is just great I mean me and John's meeting story is beautiful tell it Nikki why why don't you go ahead and tell it John yeah Uh, all right so um (laughs) Way back when, when I first joined NYC, I got grilled, like, really hard because at that time, I was joining the cast when my partner Savannah was already on leadership, and I remember my my intro, I had every single person on leadership there, and it was, like, not a regular interview. Everyone was, like, very defensive, like, why does this dude want to join Rocky? Like, is he just trying to keep tabs on Savannah? Like, what is his fucking deal? So there was some hostility when I first joined cast, and as I kind of rose in the ranks uh, to where I am now, my big thing was, like, I want everybody to always feel welcome with mm-hmm. our cast no matter what. So when Nikki was going to guest perform with us, I had reached out to her because I saw her on our schedule. And I was like, hey, before the show, do you want to come get brunch with me and a few of our cast members and a few people who are just kind of in the area? And Nikki was like, yeah, totally. And we went to Big Daddy's in Union Square. Yes, we did. Love that place. No, that was like such a good day. It was me. It was our cast member, Lucas, uh, their partner, Sam, and then Zephyr and Harley from RKO. Very ragtag group of people, but it was a great time. And my boyfriend. Don't forget about him. Oh, yeah. Josh was there, too. Yeah, he got a ridiculous milkshake. Yeah. But so that's how we ended up becoming friends. And then later that night, we performed with each other for the first time. You were Rocky. I was Frank. It was a great time. That whole experience was so insane to me because you guys all like came together to make me feel so welcome and like so special. I remember like a week prior to guest performing with you guys, John texted me out of the blue and was like, hey, do you want to host the show with me? And I was like, I've been in the Rocky community for like a year. Are you sure? And he was like, yeah, like who fucking cares? Like come on stage and do it with me. And like we hosted the show and we had a really great time. Like, I don't know. I had, I have so many like positive memories from like meeting you guys for the first times because you guys have just all come together to make me feel so loved and so mushy. And I love you guys. And you were a great co-host too. Oh my God, stop. You were fantastic. No, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, you were fantastic co-host. I, I thought it was really organic the way that we did the show. I'm pretty sure Aaron was supposed to co-host the show with me that night, but like, if Aaron yeah. doesn't have to do something, Aaron doesn't have to do something. So when I Damn gave him the opportunity- right. <laughs> so when I told him, I was like, hey, Nikki's going to co-host the show. He was like, oh, thank God, you know? Sweet, another 20 minutes at the bar. See you guys. <laughs> No, when, when John's, like, I always I always think about this. When I think about John, a lot of people in the community say things like, I want everybody to feel welcome, or they, you know, oh, I'm always there for you, or whatever. A lot of people in the community say that, but uh, John actually fucking means it when he says oh, this yeah. kind of stuff, oh, and, yeah. like, that's a very unique thing for somebody. So when he's telling a story like this where he's like, no, I just wanted everybody to feel inclusive, you see the, the outcome of it, right? You see the outcome. The, Two years later, we're doing a podcast together and like everybody's buddy, buddy. It's a very unique uh, personality. And, and frankly, John, why you've been so successful on the New York cast, right? Is just because when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And you're always so damn happy to do it. I agree. I agree. Trust me when people ask me, oh my God, John, where do you get all this energy to, you know, kind of give 110% with whatever you do? Trust me, I don't know where I get it either, so cocaine <laughs> good lord i see i don't know how you can be so peppy and also so straight 
trust me, my dad thinks the same thing. <laughs> I fucking hate it here. All right, so there you go, Jill. That's uh, that's how we met. So you also asked about the podcast origin story. So I was fortunate enough to be up close and personal while it was created, and uh, I'm not sure how much of this story you guys know. I think I know a decent amount. All right, how about you tell me what you know, and I'll fill in all the juicy little missing details. Sure. I remember before Rocky Talkie was even a thing, we have like a group, a big group chat with like a bunch of our friends that Meg and Aaron are in. And Meg put in it one day like, would you guys be interested in a podcast about Rocky Horror? Like, would that be something you'd want to listen to? And I remember she said in the chat, like, I'm not asking Nikki's opinion because I already know she would listen. And like a good majority of our group chat was like, no, I would not listen to that. And we were like, oh, okay, sorry. Guess I'll go fuck myself. No, deadass, like Marty and Jacob were like, um, nah, but have a good night. Uh, and I remember like she kept like kind of like subtly bringing it up and thinking about logistics. And I was like, oh, Meg's going to do something with this. And then I didn't hear much about it. So I'm sure there's some blanks in there. And then from there, I just kind of saw you guys building up a podcast until you asked me to join it, which is a whole fucking story in itself. <laughs> but that's all I really got. Yeah, that that's basically the, the tail end of kind of the story. The, the beginning of the story kind of starts... I guess, uh, well, it starts with COVID, right? Because mm. everything this year kind of starts with, with the fact that, well, last year now, but everything starts with the fact that nobody's been able to do shows. So we haven't done shows in New York uh, since, I think it was February of last year was our last show, right? Something like that, yeah, end of February, early March. Yeah, somewhere around there. And it was probably another, you know, couple months of just doing nothing right after that while everybody was kind of figuring out what was going on. And then we had kind of floated the idea to do the virtual show that we ended up putting together. So New York did that show around August and we started working on it. I want to say June or so. So there was a couple months there where Meg and I were doing basically nothing but coordinating, wrangling cats, editing all of that for the virtual show. And Afterwards, we kind of were like, okay, that went well. We can clearly like take on a big project like that. And it's fun to do stuff with Rocky. And Meg's day job is producing podcasts. She works for a bunch of media companies and does podcasts for all sorts of different kinds of things. She kind of uh, was looking for another outlet that was related to Rocky. And God knows I'm always up for anything that has to do with Rocky. So... We kind of started talking about it and, you know, started floating, well, what would this be like? Who would who would be good for it? So one day back in October, she made some stupid offhand comment to one of our friends online. I, I think, uh, not to name drop, but it was probably Rocky Horror legend Ron Maxwell, uh, about maybe, well, we should start a podcast. And then she just, that, that idea got in Meg's head and it just kind of stuck there. So over the course of a couple weeks, she outlined some concept shows. We talked through them. We ended up with like the very basic structure of let's do news, let's do community news, and let's do something that's going to require a bunch of research that eventually became Nikki Asked the Question. And part of that, while we were trying to figure it out, was determining who was going to actually host this thing. Meg's most important thing when she was trying to figure this out was making sure that there were hosts with a wide range of perspectives. Right? Because that's one of the biggest factors in talking about Rocky is the different perspectives of the people that are talking about it. Particularly how much time each of those people have within the community. So she wanted to make sure that we had somebody who was around for a long time, somebody who was really new and fresh, and somebody that was kind of in the midpoint. It would also help to have a diversity across, you know, who was talking and also different levels of roles and responsibilities within a cast kind of thing. Somebody who maybe is the role that I take, which is a long-term cast member, but isn't in leadership, isn't new. Uh, somebody like John, who is in leadership. Somebody like Nikki, who is an active contributor, performer, and a content creator for her cast. We wanted to make sure that we had all of those different roles covered. And then after we talked through all the criteria we wanted for hosts, John John and Nikki were just really fucking obvious, right? At this point, Meg and I were both really close to you guys, and we'd worked together a lot on performances and special shows and just other random stuff. We knew there was a good chance that we'd all have a good on-air chemistry, be at least, you know, something people would want to listen to. Um, so yeah, you guys were 100% the first choices that came up. 
We had a really short list of people that we consider after you guys if you had shot it down and didn't want to come in, but there weren't any, like, clear second choices that we were excited about. We just, we really wanted you guys, and uh, we're so glad when you both said yes, suckers. Yo, I'm, like, emotional right now. I remember when Meg was, like, it was, like, out of nowhere. She was like, hey, can I call you? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, sure, I haven't talked to you in, like, two weeks, but I can't imagine what's happening right now. And then when she called me she was like do you want to host a podcast about rocky horror i was like i guess (laughs) (laughs) and here we are (laughs) when meg asked me to host i vividly remember this because she kept saying in the group chat that i was the only person who would like earnestly enjoy the show and then she texted me and was like hey can i call you and talk about the podcast so she's like pitching the show to me and I'm thinking that she's just asking if I would listen to it. So she keeps like telling me the logistics and the details of how the show is going to go. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. Like, that would be great. And then she was like, yeah, we want to we want to bring on a host that's like very new to the community and like doesn't really have like a lot of experience. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, where are you going to find? Is it somebody on your cast? Like, how are you going to like it just like did not compute with me that I was even like on the list. And then she was like, well, N- Nikki, we want we wanted you and i was like doing my mascara like i was not prepared i had to like stop i like dropped everything i was like what record scratch (laughs) (laughs) like i literally like i took i needed to take like a five minute break and be like i'll I'll call you back i need to scream i was very excited and then you found out how much you get paid zero for anyone anyone out there who's Uh, i i actually i pay to host this podcast i pay meg (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you are you guys not paying Meg? Only in uh, flesh. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> anyway. So, Jill, you had asked also if there was anyone else who could have been a part of the podcast. So, Aaron answered your question in terms of, like, hosts. But while we're talking about our team, let's give a shout out to Jacob Roger Gordon. Hell yeah. No. Oh, okay. So, Jacob is absolutely a part of our podcast He writes our show every week with Aaron and Meg, and he helps a lot with pre-production and general behind-the-scenes work, which we really appreciate. He's Meg's bitch, and we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. He's everyone's bitch, okay? He's he's the community bitch. (laughs) Nikki and I also get to include our significant others on the show, too. So Savannah, my significant other, Josh, Nikki's significant other. They both Uh help us out a lot, and they've uh they've Uh appeared on the podcast at least once. Which is a lot of fun. Uh, And on a similar note, we do plan to ask other community members to join us as guest contributors to the show eventually. You know, we're we're new. This is only like our 13th episode. So up to now, our focus has been like establishing our formula and working out all the kinks (laughs) that every new show has. But now we're kind of nearing a point where we have a pretty solid show base. You know, the three of us have our on-mic banter down kind of to a science at this point. You know, we really want to start bringing on guests and making the show even more community-centric. So to answer your question in another way, Jill, we're hoping to involve quite a few more people with the show. We're super excited about it, and we hope it'll be something that our listeners will enjoy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. No. Okay. Well, thank you so much for writing in, Jill. This one was super fun to answer. Hell yeah. Jill, I love you. You're fantastic. Keep being an excellent person. And that's our show. We want to thank Jill and Hadrian for writing into us. We love you both, and we really appreciate your support. So if you're listening to this and you're enjoying the show, please help us spread the word about it. All you got to do is go rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps us make our podcast more visible to new listeners, which helps us to grow the show. And that's what you want, right? You want our show to grow. Right. So we can keep doing this. Yes. Because you like us. Mm-hmm. So do that. Okay. Thanks. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So please go check us out if you like us and want more content. And please write to us. We love hearing from all of our listeners. Getting messages from you makes our whole entire week. We especially want to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you're working on and all the upcoming special events your casts are getting ready to do. We want to share it on our show and help you spread the word. If you're working on a Rocky-related project that you're excited about, if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky Horror career, go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to share with us. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye! Bye! Bye!
Get out. What is up, you stupid fuckers? No, let's not do that. Whoa, that's <laughs> hostile. Yeah, right? Honestly. If you want to join the watch party with John, Dad, and myself, the performance will take place on February 6th at 10 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And <laughs> what <laughs> take, happened? Take place on February 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, and you can tune in at... Oh, God. You 7 p.m. Pacific, oops. and you can tune in at rhpslive.com. We'll see you there. Oh, my God, you almost said erps. <laughs> www.erpslive.com. Pacific? <laughs> it's my website. I should fucking know it, right? <laughs> oh, all right. Do I need to do it again, or was that okay? <laughs> like bougie Janny is bougie Janny. Bougie. <laughs> That's why does it tell me to say LOL? What do I do? Lol. Lol. That seems dangerous. Like what? That seems dangerous. Under apartheid. Apartheid. Is that correct? No. Apartheid. Yep. Okay. Oh, no. Whatever. Okay, it's a one word. O'Brien had happened to pick up a ringing telephone at the venue, only to find the call was from a member of the local police. Oh, shit. So. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I got lost. <laughs> what the fuck does that one say? Fraulein? Fraulein. It's German. German. I'm not German. And he loves a big, thick, delicious. Delicious? <laughs> He's foreign. Freiluftkino Riberga. Okay. Freiluftkino Riberga. I got it. Do you want me to do an angry one? I don't want to do an angry one. <laughs> do an angry one. I will do an angry one for the bloopers, but do not put it in the regular recording. All right. Meg says deal. Okay. Okay. So, like, German angry, like, Freiluftkinochebega. Mm. That's, like, angry enough. Okay, that's all you get. Good night. Bye. Bye. I, <clears throat> I don't know what sound I just made. Uh. <laughs> and, sorry, I was applying powder to my face. Cute. I'm so pretty right now. So. I'm jealous. New York in Rocky is very different than New York in other places. Build me up. Build me up. Buttercup, baby, just to let me down. Let me down. Turn me around and then worst of all. Worst of all. You never call, baby, when you say you will. Say you will. But I love you still. That's it. That's my song. Yeah, that was really good. I'm glad we did that. Bye. (laughs) All right, I'm going to go buy some clocks.